Good morning and greetings from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. What? What are you doing here already? Usually you give our eardrums at least a week from coming from the last thrashing. Yes, yes, this is true. But, in case anyone has missed it, we have an election in a few days. So I have another interview for everyone. Presidential candidate, if you will. And I thought it only fair to give him a chance to be heard. So, today, there will be no razor-sharp wit and deep investigative journalism for you to sip coffee, nibble on your bear claw, and ponder the fate of our nation with me. Nope, nope, none of that today. Today I have an inter for you, interview for you, and that's it. No power music at the end of, to mark the end of the show. I'm turning the theater lights on, and you people have to find your own way out. Uh, please excuse me for the end of the interview. I pulled the wrong lever, trying to end the show, and there was virtually zero tape left, so I couldn't edit the vulgarity out. I apologize profusely. So sit back and enjoy the interview. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, I'd like to welcome presidential candidate Robert Two Bears to the show. Good evening, sir. How are you doing tonight? After uh, evening, uh, Shelby. Doing great here in uh, the Twin Cities. Hope you're well in uh, Wisconsin there. Absolutely. Uh, it's great to have you here on the show. And if it's okay with you, uh, let's say we just get right down to business. Sounds good. All righty. Um, if you could do me a favor and um, just Give everybody here a little um, family history, who your family is, um, mom, dad, whatever, and then uh, give us a little something about your education and a little something about uh, work, anything you, about work that you do, work that you've done, anything you think is relevant. All right, Shelby, sounds good. Um, I'd just like to introduce myself. My name is uh, Robert Two Bears. Um, my father is... Uh, Robert Isidore Two Bears from Standing Rock, uh, hence the last name Two Bears. Uh, my mother was um, Barbara Arlene Yellow Thunder Two Bears. Um, her grand or her, her mother and father were was um, Alvina Foss Minor, and her grandfather her, her father was Albert Yellow Thunder Junior. And um, my other grandmother would be um helen minor miller um so i'm i'm pretty uh familiar with uh my clan the warrior clan uh, i pretty much follow uh the kinship uh of of the, the family side on my mother's side so I'm, I'm really familiar with um the kinship um and then um uh, who actually who all my relatives are so pretty well versed in that I was taught that at a very young age from uh, both my grandmothers. Uh, my grandfather had passed away uh, relatively early, uh, so we really didn't have that. I didn't really, I never met him. 
Um, but I do know that um, my grandfather was um, the chief of the tribe. Um, I do have one uncle uh, remaining alive, and that's uh, Albert Yellow Thunder the third. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty um, taught about the the, the relationship of uh, a dega doing the uh, disciplining, which I'm pretty sure everyone knows what a <laughs> what a dega means and does. Um, but he also did, did some of the uh, the teaching of of uh, some of his knowledge that he's passed on to me. So I know that's uh, very important for the tribe. So I try to pass that on to uh, my children. Uh, so they're they're pretty well uh, versed on understanding the tribal kinship for the tribe. Um, I guess my experience or my work experience, um, as I think everyone knows that I was on legislature for um, three terms, uh, 11 years, and I think eight months or something like that. I know there was a court case that uh, I had vacate or uh, filled a vacated seat. Uh, so I'm very knowledgeable on the roles of legislature, uh, the, the committees, and then more towards the uh, constitutional responsibilities of being the, uh, the fiduciaries of the, of the tribe, of the nation, and also that uh, the legislature is responsible for uh, passing laws uh, that affect tribal members on, on tribal land. Uh, so I always, at least from a legislative point, I always try to make sure that I stood by that legislature wasn't supposed to be, wasn't crossing uh, responsibilities and uh, developing or creating or approving policies that was strictly an executive function and it was never a legislature. Um, as far as uh, my education, um, I have three years of college. I was at the University of Minnesota. Um, I never finished. I, I don't know why I never did, but it just never, I guess I never wanted to finish. It just seemed kind of redundant. And it wasn't really, in hindsight, it wasn't really um, a, a smart move. I, sh I probably should have finished. And you know, things stopped me from finishing now, but I just, I'm in the workforce. Um, I am, um, I actually been in uh, facility management. I've been a maintenance director, facility manager for uh, urban Indian healthcare center here in the Twin Cities. Um, I've been uh, the maintenance director for HHCDA uh, over in Tomo, Wisconsin. Uh, so I kind of more, um, I guess, a mind for goals and objectives and uh, creating policies for uh, maintenance or facilities. So it's really a, a goal-oriented or detailed um, position. Um, so that's kind of my work, work history. Um, you know, I, I think I can bring some of those outside experiences, uh, to the tribe and creating and developing policies that would help the executive department. Well, you brought it up. What made you want to run for president? Uh, so actually this is my, uh, second go around, uh, for running for president. And I think my first campaign, I kind of learned that, um, What would have helped more is um, sharing more of a a goal, uh, a platform, or more towards maybe a, a tagline. I don't think I really had a tagline, but 
because if I had a tagline now, it'd be like, uh, taking care of what we got. And, and what I mean by that is taking care of our, you know, the role of the president is an executive function. You know, they run the casinos, uh, the government operations, the business operations would so be taking care of the government programs, uh, the business operations. And then once that's kind of been created or maybe, um, um, I guess I don't even know what kind of word I'm talking about, but it would be a program that's created for taking care of of the tribal population, you know, elders, uh, veterans, uh, the youth, and, and the tribal members that need assistance from the tribe. So I guess if, if, if I had a tagline, it would be taking care of, of what we got. And so, I think that working with all these numerous presidents, um, I've seen some pluses and minuses, and, and, and I guess... There's always uh, some kind of um, past that would um, kind of hold back or wouldn't really push the nation forward. And I guess one of the strengths I have is, is being on legislature and knowing what legislature wanted from uh, an executive or the president's side. So I think that would help out in the long run. Well, you kind of answered my next question about a major goal. You seem to have set that already. But um, let me ask you, what are the major strengths of the Ho-Chunk Nation as you see it? And uh, how can you help exploit that? I guess one of the, uh, the, major, one of the major goals would be to uh, share, you know, you're, you know, you know, the president's role really can't share, uh, say, the financials. You know, I heard um, legislature created a, I don't know if it was a resolution or if they actually changed the law about sharing business and government audits. Um, but I would try to um, share what I could and maybe explain it more into a, a layman's term. And I guess I always had uh, done the same thing when I was the chair of the finance or co-chair, you know, there was a lot of misunderstanding on, on the legislative side of business and government and looking at the bottom line. So I guess one goal would be how to share the state of the financial of the nation is, is going some more towards financial transparency. You say at, at general council, I'm assuming I would just, I'd have to have legislature review to amend review or change the current law where I could share that. So I guess one of my goals would be um, the state of the nation financially and kind of covering the, the transparency component. I think that was always a, a talked about um, piece on the platform. People talked about transparency, but they really didn't know how to enact it. And I, I think that still occurs now, even during elections, we'll talk about transparency, but you never really how you never really hear how a an elected official would engage and share that information in a proper form. What are the major uh, weaknesses of the Ho Chunk Nation that you see, and uh, how would you work to shore them up? I think the, the real key, uh, something I learned probably eight years in, and my 
my third term on legislature was compromised. And I think during the first term, there was a lot of um, uh, illegal stuff going on within the legislature. So it was really not a, there wasn't a whole lot of trust going on uh, with uh, the investigations that were occurring within the nation. And I think, and I think and hope that we've changed enough laws and amended to curtail the shenanigans that occurred. So I think that would be uh, more of a positive how, how to share that information. After the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, getting the nation back up and running was um, a serious and important job. Uh, but the nation had trouble recruiting and retaining workers. Um, as president, how would you uh, help the nation in attracting, acquiring, and retaining workers for uh, both our bureaucracy and the uh, our economic our economic endeavors, casinos, sea stores, hotels, that type of thing? Is there something you could do to help, or is that just all legislature? Um, actually, I think that's more towards an executive function. Um, you know, legislature has certain ties with uh, other tribal governments or say city or townships, you know, there is some established best practices out there. You know, I've, I'm in a workforce now that's uh, having the same issues. You know, their workforce in their areas is rural. The uh, aging population is is on the rise. You know, the, the baby boomers are moving on, and I think it's Gen X or, I, you know, I always forget the generations, but there has to be some established um, best practices already within the tribal governments or the cities and towns. And I, I guess I just see that what some, what some employers are doing is offering bonuses. Uh, they're given uh, a, a gas discount. I know they're doing that over at Treasure Island for employees. And then also there's a lot of uh, cross training occurring or cross training uh, pay jobs within the organization. And I guess I've seen that over at uh, Treasure Island. You know, um, if you work in, say, um, one of the departments and they need help over in another department, they do a crossover where they would collect some of the wages from that department and then they would just uh, get the um, overtime or the uh, authorized hours to alleviate some of the uh, vacancies occurring uh, within uh, tribal operations. So I think there's, this is probably uh, not being explored, or maybe it is, you know, I, you know, being on um, District 4 out here in, in the Twin Cities, you know, I really don't hear a lot or read a lot in uh, the Wodak to explain some of the, um, um, I guess, the um, shortfalls of what's occurring within the tribe. And I think with, you know, COVID coming down, you know, there's, there should be more opportunities where tribes can work with other tribes or even cities and townships. I mean, without exploring it. That's, um, that's a novel idea. Maybe not, but uh, to my ears it is. One of the yeah. uh, major problems is um, in the nation is the lack of communication between our four branches of government. Um. As president, you're uh, front and center on this. How would you uh, tackle this problem? I would hope, you know, if there is no um, hidden agendas 
within the uh, branches of government, there's, there could be some open communication within, say, uh, once a month, quarterly meetings. And uh, we could share information, you know, what's, uh, what's hindering your branch of government, say, what general counsel say they're, they're having uh, issues with employment. Same with um, judiciary. Since say there's uh, occurrences with programmings and grant failings that they're not they're not applying or they're missing a shortfall of uh, grant writers or even legislature. You know, they're uh, I kind of think they're lacking in some of the um, uh, professional opinions in in health or uh, financials. Uh, so I think there's. There's really a lot of opportunities with a, with a new administration coming on. And, you know, it kind of helps that, you know, I'm very familiar with legislature who's currently in there. You know, I know there's a, a number of them running for re-election, but, you know, I still know the, the faces there. There there really hasn't been a lot of changes there. So same with judiciary. You know, that I think there's only been, I think, one turnover in the election cycle coming up again, but... I think there's always opportunities to actually sit down with everyone. And at a certain point, when the administration's changed, that was totally cut off. So I wouldn't, um, wouldn't have that same um, concern. So you just think you're, uh, the fact that you know a lot of people, you can work with them in, in this environment? I think I could. I haven't, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think I've, I burned bridges. Uh, I, I, I remained neutral quite often and, you know, I voted no, you know, I, as a rep on legislature, you know, I had a, a lot of free thought. I didn't have to rely on uh, legal counsel or another opinion of a rep. You know, I did my homework and I made sure I was aware of the topics, you know, that I had to be aware of. Um, so I meant, I don't think, uh, within the current branches of government, I've, I haven't miscommunicated or, you know, tech bot, tech or talked bad about anyone. So I think that's a plus. Excellent. Um, moving on. We got uh, many members of our nation that for one reason or another need assistance. I'm referring to uh, our elders, veterans, disabled, handicapped individuals, single mothers, and uh, minors in foster care and that type of thing. Do we have the funds to meet all these needs? And are the nation's programs equipped to help all these individuals? And what could we do to continue this type of um, help to everybody? So um, that's a that's a good question. You know, it's kind of a twofold question of uh, where is the what's the financial state of the total revenue and what programs are going to be developed with uh, the revenue that's been in, in, in decline. I guess, you know, I've been out of legislature and, you know, we were, we were already like in a code, I guess a DEFCON one of where we we're financially. I know that um, there was a lot of, um, a lot of education on some of the reports that were being generated and I don't think that's changed within at least the last year and a half because the audits are always behind, uh, you know, six months or, or to a year. Um, so I guess you would really have to understand 
um, with the closure of the, the facilities and, and going into uh, um, COVID, I guess a COVID, a COVID code red or something like that. Uh, so I, I guess really it would just, it would have to take a, a review of the current audits on the business side and the, the government audits and then kind of go from there. You know, I think that during the budget cycle now, that's what that's what the legislature did. And, you know, those reports are all generated by executives. So I meant executives should know where we're at and so should legislature. And, you know, they're making the best uh, estimate moving forward the next fiscal year. Uh, so I, I just, I know you posted something online. So I, I think we're still down uh, net revenue from previous years. Um, so I, I just, I hope they're making the, the best estimate moving forward. Um, and then the second part of your question I heard was, how is the uh, executive department going to provide for the needs for the tribal population, being elders, veterans, uh, the youth, and just um, the general population? So really there was a resolution that was established, you know, I want to say like in the, the 90s or 96, there's a resolution where it was stated that uh, the executive would be the payer of last resort. And that meant that there was going to be no duplication of federal programs that were available to tribal members. And that, that was still followed to, to a point, uh, but there was, a, there was a big issue between the means testing um, but the federal government and the state governments and, and cities and towns is their means testing is all income based, whereas the the government programs are all needs based. And I guess what the the nation should be doing now is is reviewing that needs based testing that we should be applying for more federal, state, and county grants that makes that are that are open and eligible since tribal members are no longer getting per cap. And so with that per cap that we were getting in the previous years, we were ineligible for a lot of state and federal programs. So really it would just have to be a, a uh, executive function of applying for more grants that now that tribal members are eligible for federal and state programs. And I think that has to be an education point for tribal members, you know, because I think what was created with per cap and now that, you know, per cap's not there no more, the, the tribal members are relying more on the tribe and the tribe just doesn't have the um, resources to fund some of those programs that were being duplicated by the federal state programs. I don't know if that made sense, but. Does the um, nation have the personnel, like you just mentioned, to. Um. As far as I know, um, there was a a planning department with an executive, and I can't remember what uh, department was. But when it wasn't funded, the executive was going to leave it up to the executive directors or work with another individual in their department to, to go after those grants. And this has always been talked about, you know. Um, you know, during when I first got on legislature, I think the nation was pulling close to 50 million in grants. 
federal, state, and so on. And those federal obligations with HUD, BIA roads, and Indian Health Service. And it's just been, it was steady for, for a number of years. And then it declined probably 10 million. And then it was back on the rise again. But then just before I left, when uh, one of the treasurers was there, there, there's a lot of expirations on those grants. And I'm not sure if they really applied for those. There was there was like a list of how many grants are expiring. And, you know, legislature was asking and, you know, it's just, but the current president, it just, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a great communication. It was more of a, I guess, an obstacle on sharing and communicating with each other. Okay. I want to take this in a real, uh, different direction real quick here. Um, the president, uh, White Eagle, set a precedent by taking the legislator to court when he felt the legislator was operating outside of their legal par- uh, parameters. Um, is this a strategy that uh, you'll continue to uh, use in the future, or do you see a different path between yourself and the legislature in working together? I think it would be twofold. I think I could work with legislature, but if there were some boundaries that were being crossed, uh, specifically towards the the policy side, well, yeah, that that should be a no-brainer with uh, with the uh, judiciary or judicial de- uh, department within the executive. Um, but you know, the there's really the issue is the the Constitution. You know, our Constitution's never been really amended. You know, everyone's has their different goals or ideas, but I think sometimes we have to really look at the the constitution you know so there's some um roles and responsibilities that are, are specific in there and some of those should be changed or amended out and really the if, if people are concerned about executive or legislature and and their their boundaries are crossing really need to start fixing that and really making an effort to make those changes i think that's one thing that's been going on you know I, I wasn't really going to the general counsel just for the fact that I didn't think we were, you know, I wasn't really pushing for a constitutional change or uh, changes within um, a branch. But I think that really has to be addressed soon enough because with the current creation now, it just seems that there's a misunderstanding on general counsel. Uh, they, they think that they can set the, I mean, General Counsel sets the policy and direction, and I guess I've never really seen that set from General Counsel. Yeah, that is... Well, what is your opinion on that? With um, the General Counsel supposed to be um, the, the voice of the people, and yep. they set the policy, and the legislature is supposed to enact that policy. Now, yeah. with... Um, I don't know how many, 150, 170, whatever resolutions that are being sat on by the legislature or slow walked. Um, is there something that you can do as president to try to move the, those resolutions along? Or is that, are we going back to uh, the Constitution needs to be um, looked at before we do that? I think it's the Constitution. You know, the um, the big issue I think people forget, and, you know, I've sat on uh, a number of those legislative meetings where they're 
approving or disapproving and or, or stonewalling those resolutions. But there is a review done, and there was a review done in previous years on if those resolutions were were proper. You know, there is a, a federal review process that was done number of years on all those resolutions. It's, so it seems that the general counsel and, you know, uh, individuals within general counsel think that legislature is sitting on resolutions that moving forward. But I think there's a step that says the BIA was approving or disapproving those and that information wasn't shared. And so when that was on legislature, I think there was only two we never en- enacted. And that was because nobody on legislature wanted to move forward on it and they moved it to a, a subcommittee on development or housing and then was never enacted at that level. So, you know, during my um, 11 years on legislature, there was only two that I recall that were not moved forward or passed by legislature. You know, as far as the, I guess, I don't know where they get that number from, the hundreds, um, I'm not sure where that number come from. And, and I guess I would be more looking to see what the BIA approved or disapproved you know, because historically, the general counsel would always go over into legislative uh, responsibilities versus uh, policy direction from the general counsel. And you know, the, the biggest example I can give is people want the funding to increase on per cap. Well, the BIA or the attorney general always said, well, that's that's the legislative function. That's not general counsel. And that was the end of that. So I think there's there really needs to be an education component of all these years of what happened in the past. You know, I, I guess I, I'm not responsible for what resolution was created back in 1994. You know, I wasn't on legislature, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the BIA approving or disapproving those resolutions or, you know, currently not, I'm not the attorney general that's making that determination of what's getting approved or disapproved at general counsel. You know, it doesn't, doesn't help it's a long drawn out process it, it people think that once that's approved it's a done deal well that's not how it works it, it still has to follow the process that was created by the BA, approved by the people and you know it still has to go to secretary election with the election board and election board's the one that decides what goes on that election ballot that secretary election ballot not legislature not executive it's the second the election board that determines what goes on there I know that's a lot of information, but yeah, that, that that is a lot of information, and I'm trying to digest it, and um, I'm going to have to listen again so I can get some of this down on paper. Um, sure. <laughs> as uh, as president, you worked on. I mean, as a legislator, if I could go back, yeah, and in just one response on on the whole um, process, you know, I guess. What I would like to continue on with one of my platform ideas was creating a five or 10 year um, strategic plan. And, and the big goal and thinking down the line in 10 years and, you know, after, you know, if I'm president or not, but what people could use on that strategic plan is roles of what, what uh, legislature is going to do. So say, say we, we create a strategic plan that says, well, legislature is going to create the statutory laws for 
our Section 16, Section 17s, our LLCs, our nonprofits, they're going to create the laws to regulate what they do, what what they share, what financials. An executive would be the ones that are going to create the, the board of directors. And then an end result, we would share this at a general council. And then we could give those updates to the people out there. means, And they could say, well, hey, where's... Where's 12 clients? Where's HHCD at? Where's where's the daycare center at? Where's the BA roads at? So I meant if there was a big plan that we could follow within five or ten years, then we would have an end product where everyone could just refer to this document and say, well then a legislature didn't create this. Get rid of them. Get rid of four people, oust them. You know, they they didn't follow through on the, the legal framework. Well then they shouldn't be reelected. So if it was the executive's fault, you know, filling the boards or creating the policies, the articles on corporation, you know, the the corporate bylaws, well, then he's up for election, right? (laughs) Simple enough. Get get a 10-year strategic plan approved by general counsel. That's setting the policy for the nation. This is what executive, this is what executive is going to fall. This is what legislature, this is what judiciary is going to fall. And then it's just a big cycle. This is sharing this big document every year. Where are you at? Well, we'll put you up. We won't reelect you. Simple. I like that. Yeah, that is simple. Let me change real quick here now. Um, what does the phrase transparency in government mean to you? And uh, how would you implement it? And do we even need transparency in our government? So actually, I just kind of think of... Um, Transparency is, is twofold. You know, there's transparency and then there's engagement. You know, there's transparency of sharing information and then actually engaging with people to have them understand why you're making those decisions. So do I think it's happening? No, I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening within legislature, you know, sharing certain information in area meetings. I don't think executive shares enough with, with legislature and, and vice versa. I don't think there's a forum of sharing information. I know the WODOC, I could go on there and I could look up uh, what kind of ad everyone else is running but the tribe. You know, the the WODOC has kind of lost its way since uh, Marlon was in there. You know, I always give I always gave him kudos when he was the editor. He, he asked some hard questions, and I'll tell you that I didn't find any of them offensive, I thought. You know, people should be able to answer some of those questions on legislature, and it just it didn't it didn't tickle people's feet on legislature. So I think that was legislature again too touchy, and I think that that was the right form of sharing that information. So I I actually don't think there's any transparency. I don't think there's any engagement. You know, we we only hear bits and pieces. You know, I hear, I'll get a text, I'll get a message. Did you know this happened? You know, no, I don't. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear nothing from my reps. There's there's three or four reps that live here in the cities. I don't hear from one of them. They don't answer any messages on Facebook, but they're all over their posting. Same with the um, the president, the legislative, Facebook, the Twitter, the, the Instagram. My legislature's on Instagram. I, I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know what they're Instagramming, but then it's probably obviously garbage. <laughs> so I think I Horrible actually think there 
they're all failing. There's nothing they're not sharing. I guess I don't, I really don't know what's going on. All right. Well, that's uh, simple enough. So let me ask you then, what's the answer? I think there has to be, um, I guess what they're doing now in the, the real world between uh, President Biden and everyone else, you know, I remember on Twitter, you know, you could follow the Senate Republicans, you could follow the Senate Democrats, you can follow the White House, you could follow uh, Trump. You know, they're all sharing information as it goes live. I think that's what has to happen now on. It's just sharing stuff as it, as, as it happens by vote. They voted, here's, I'm tweeting it. They, they voted, no, I'm tweeting it. Play by play. Facebook Live, why not? Everyone's on Facebook at work anyways, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Hush your mouth. Um. <laughs> or Snapchat. Tell everyone Snapchat. I see a lot of people Snapchatting now. I think there, you know, there really has to be some kind of mechanism of, of sharing information via the the professional, the minutes. But, you know, people can still tweet stuff as it goes live. I know historically refs don't like that. And it, it didn't really bother me. But for some reason, some reps on legislature were, it was, they hated it. You know, that was the older, the older crew above my age. They didn't like that. And I even think some of them now don't like that. But I guess this, if I was president, I would be sharing more of that stuff live as, as much as I could, whether it was Twitter, Facebook, you know, because they're all doing it. They're all on their computers and around there. Everyone's texting each other. Yeah, it is. Why can't, why can't anyone else? It is convenient. Yeah. All right. Um, I think you were in office when uh, Linwood was acquired. Um, not that things have settled down a bit and we didn't get the license. Um, do you have any plans if you were a president with the Linwood property? So this is a, this is a tricky, um, subject. Um, I, I wasn't on when Linwood was purchased. This was purchased when, um, I think it was like 2004 or six, maybe at the beginning of Willie's administration during this first go around. I came in. Uh, just after they purchased the facility in the uh, residential housing, I know that um, there was a board of directors that was managing the facility, and then for some reason, um, they disbanded. I think there's some mismanagement occurring within the board and also with the facility. Uh, I know there was a a a formal review done by some individuals at that organization. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's public, but I, I think that was more um, behind the scenes that was done. And, you know, the big grandiose plan was to have um, a gaming facility there. And, and that's when I came in. There was uh, a District 4, District 5 rep that was kind of uh, the cheerleader for the whole. Um, there was a couple that was for the whole uh, gaming there. And there was um, a big plan to either apply for uh, Indian gaming license, and I think that was kind of public. And then I think the reality set in that, you know, there were some steps that executive and legislature or more towards legislature didn't accomplish 
And so then I was just a facility. I was there providing um, rentals uh, for non-trial members. And I don't remember if there was a trial member living there, but I think maybe there was one or two near the end. But then the uh, the focus changed. You know, that was all public. You know, the nation was applying for a state gaming license. And there was opportunities other than the nation to apply or manage the license. And, you know, we know the history. I watched the, the announcement. I watched our, our presentation, and it was, it was a sad affair. I just, we uh, legislature just couldn't. Um, move forward on it and um, a big plan. Um, but as far as the facility, I know there was, this was public, that when we got rid of the management that was being done by um, tribal members, that executive was kind of mandated, you know, it was an executive function to, to manage it, but working with legislature, and then it's all fell apart. I know we tried to create a resolution to have executive take it over and, and executive didn't want to do it. So it was kind of just left in the legislature. And there's, I think there's some resolutions out there still that says legislature's in charge of it. Um, I, I guess if I was elected president, I would refer back to that resolution and determine the next best course of action. I know uh, legal was looking at it from legislature. Um, but you know, in hindsight, I think we didn't really give it a good try. You know, it was haphazard and it just badly planned and managed. You know, that's why we lost. You, you could look at the presentation online. It's, just, it's a sad, sad deal. So I, you, th- I personally think we should cut our losses. You know, I don't know how much money we, we put down there. We could never recover any of that. We lose most of the um, profits and, and property taxes for commercial and residential, the property, the lots down there, you know, the facility itself is, it, I don't even think it was breaking even. I don't know what it's doing now. I see that's online on Facebook and Twitter. They don't post watch. No, no, they don't. Nope. nope. You right. know, there's a liaison down there too. I don't, I never hear from that liaison. Trial member. No, I have to look his at that. Was on, yeah, his brother was on legislature reported development. I don't know where that report goes to. That's public. All right, we'll have to take a look at that. Uh, yep. We're seeing how we're uh, traveling around looking at properties. Uh, the Beloit Casino. We've been chasing this uh, for a little bit now. Um, as president, would you pursue, pursue the uh, Beloit Casino? Would you uh, just put a bullet in it? Um, would you give it to twelve clans? Do you do you have any thoughts on Beloit? So I'll tell you, all those were explored. Um, I, not, I don't, from what I see now, none of it was enacted on. Um, as far as I know, there was uh, executive's role was to have a project manager managing the whole project um i'm not sure where that was ever at i know when when i was on legislature i never knew who the the actual project manager was i know on legislature had some steps still to complete there are some reviews to be done by 
uh, DC, BIA DC office. And then there was also another final step that was to be done at the regional office. Um, as far as my understanding was, you know, once we completed those two steps, you know, the next step was the, the financial component. I know that was being reviewed. I know there was, there was multiple studies done from executive and legislature. Um, so I, I, I guess, you know, if, if legislature wasn't going to fund for Beloit at the amount that was requested, you know, there's, I guess we would have to sit down and see what the next steps were, or maybe it wasn't a viable project. You know, I see it's, it's floundering. I guess I would have to just review the, the feasibility studies that were completed, the financial uh, component, and then also, you know, there's going to be obligations on that facility and the loan. You know, historically, you know, the the nation only has leverage on on the gaming revenues to to make loans. So I'm not sure what financial obligation or what uh, what, what the nation was going to leverage other than gaming revenue or potential gaming revenue. Well, that's not promising. Not that's not promising at all. No. Um, 12 Clans has been with the nation for a number of years now. <clears throat> In its first iteration, it was a passive wealth fund. That's uh, It paid some salaries to the board people is what it did. Um, yep. Now we got a new board. Um, will you seek to exploit the expertise, or do you think uh, it's time to put a, uh, end uh, 12 Clans, even though it's... I mean, it, it, it's a versatile instrument to have, but it's we're not doing anything with it, it, it appears. Do you have any ideas about that? So I think, um, you know, with the charter and the roles, there was a, to be a, the president was supposed to be on the the board, or not the board, but um, I forget the, what those positions were. There was a, a liaison, that's what it was. Three branches of the government were the liaisons, and then they were supposed to be sharing what, what the board of twelve clans were going to share with them to share with the people. And I guess I would just have to look at what they've developed. And you know, one of the big things I had on legislature was, you know, they um, they kind of they kind of copped out on some. Um, some easy questions they could have asked being a former rep on legislature. They could have asked somebody in executive or they could ask somebody on legislature. And instead of making that extra step, they would say, well, I don't know how to do that, which is a total cop out. So I guess I would hope that 12 clients on the board of directors is, is reaching out to executive and legislature on some of the, problems that are occurring and i guess one of the big problems i always had was that you know they're supposed to be on tribal land you know are they on tribal land i guess i don't know i guess i would like to see uh a business plan of what they're doing um you know i know they're all getting paid to they're a working board you know i guess i was there for a working board you know where are they at as far as hiring people you know, there are po boxes right out here by my house in coon rapids i live in uh in Oak county same as that post office box they had. Yeah. I went out there and looked at it. 
told Paul Fox and he went out there after him and looked at it too. I guess I would just like to see where it's at. And, you know, but that's just the second part of the question is where is separation of business and government? You know, I just, we've been through so many reiterations of separation of business and governments. You know, we've had a construction company, a travel agency, an insurance company, you know, BIRO is separate. You have HHCDA, you have the CDFI, you have the Montessori, and I heard there's a, is there a daycare center now that's run by the tribe? I thought there was, yeah. Yeah, I think what the nation really needs to do is start creating the framework to regulate these business entities that the nation is creating. You know, just legislature isn't doing anything, you know, if there's no legal framework to, to govern these entities, we're setting them up to fail. You know, there's no, you know, that charters, I guess it's all right to a point, but it still doesn't hold them accountable because legislature's not holding them accountable. So that's a failure. I think they, they really should be looking at some of these um, reports that were done years ago. You know, there's a Johnson strategy group that developed some framework for separation of government. You know, we've had outside counsel, we've had outside vendors come in, business experts, creating all this framework. And, you know, you know, we should have all information. I just, I don't know why it's not succeeding with an executive or legislature to create separation of business and government. I guess, you know, maybe the nation should just stop since we don't know what we're doing. Or you actually get the legal help in here to the legal help or the business help to help us create that. Well, we've got plenty of legal help. I'm a professional, not just legal help, professional. Legal Absolutely. Help that are business attorneys. As being facetious attorneys, there, yeah. Health attorneys. You know, we have generalists. I'm just saying that for legislature, since I know <laughs> I know their roles very well. Well, let me uh, bring up something else as a former legislator. You're familiar with the confirmation process. Do you think the process of confirming executive directors need to be modified so that um, whoever gets to be president, they get their team. The, they pick a team, and the legislature says, all right, this is your team. Let's see what you do with it. Because it seems to be a drawn-out affair every time uh, the confirmation process is uh, started. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I guess I do. and You know, I, I really don't know what the solution is. You know, I've heard from uh, former reps. You know, the, the thought was that we just approve whoever they put up, but that's it. But then being a, a rep on legislature, you get the backlash of why would you put that guy in there? He has no, no knowledge or experience that should be having him in that position. And so, you know, legislature kind of gets stuck on the, um, a catch 22, you know, what do you, you just approve and put somebody there and that's going to fail. And then when you really think about it, do you want some, some person that has no experience in government audits, business audits, uh, budgeting, 
do you want somebody running the housing department that doesn't know the HAZA? Do you want somebody running the health department that doesn't know Indian Health Service and all the different departments that are in health and human services? So I think it's it's really a uh, tough position. And then, you know, to be honest, you know, legislature has some has some um, I'm gonna say vendettas or you know some some behind the scenes hidden agenda stuff that occurs to hold back on these appointments. And I don't know how you get around that. I would just hope that the president would have a first, second, and third. You know, here's the first one. You're going up. Here's the second one going up. You know, those budget hearings or those, I'm sorry, not the budget hearings, but the confirmation hearings, you know, that should be run by legislature. It shouldn't be running by legal counsel. It's legislature that's appointing them. In the real government, it's the senators asking those questions, not legal counsel. You know, the legal counsel may be sending mine a real senator, but maybe that's where legal counsel should be. I mean, they've already determined that they're going to vote yeah or nay. So I meant, why go through that rigmarole? Just say yes, yes or no. It's a good point. All right, well, let's uh, try to wrap this up here. Um, if you were conducting this interview, what question would you ask that I've uh, failed to ask here that would uh, help uh, bring out some of your ideas to the people? Actually, you know, I was thinking about that for quite a while, and I. I really think you had a lot of the coverage and all the questions you asked. So I don't, I don't think you really missed anything other than um, something on uh, what's your idea or your uh, feelings on Ho-Chung preference or Indian preference or, or Tarot. You know, I guess that that's an important thing. You know, we, we say that when we are talking about uh, the RA or when they're doing an employment uh, interview, that there's supposed to be a preference on that. I guess I'd like to hear more of that from the candidates. And some of the um, the reps, you know, they say that on all that, but when it comes down to it, they're not hiring federal members that some are qualified and some aren't, you know. I think they should be given a shot. I, I guess I don't really hear that other than during um, election season or you're trying to get voted in, you know, I guess I really don't hear that. I guess I like to hear their more, more of their opinions on that because certain raps voted to get rid of Terrell. I kind of saw it was succeeding for a little bit, but then, you know, there was some executive that wasn't enforcing the law and executive department said, I don't have to follow Terrell. Well, I guess there was a law that executive wasn't following and judiciary, the judicial department wasn't, upholding i guess i'd like to hear something more on that and my big concern is you know tarot is you know officially recognized by the federal government you know they pay that tarot fee they don't bill it into a a, a project because they know they got to pay it i guess that's the difference between tarot and the federal government and, and ho-chun government all right that would have been a great question yeah no all right, well, let me wrap this up. Uh, I want to give you a couple minutes to um, speak your piece. Um, you got anything to sell, anything to promote? Uh, I suppose yourself. But um, you got the floor for a couple minutes. Take it away. 
Uh, thanks a lot, Shelby, for this opportunity to uh, be on your show. You know, I've always kind of been uh, one to come on here and talk and try to, to be honest and, and share what knowledge I have and experiences. And um, I guess I'll just wait and see uh, come March uh, of where I'm going or I'm not going. I guess I don't, I don't really have, I kind of talk about my platform, you know, taking care of, of what we got, taking care of our tribal members, uh, our future, our veterans, our elders, um, and, and combining some of our, our traditional values. Um, sometimes you see those values and um, and people, um, whether they're elected or not. Um, I, I'd, I would hope to uphold those values that, you know, my, my grandparents and my mother uh, had taught me and all my uh, my relatives. Um, I, I guess the only thing I have in closing is I have a little story. Um, from time to time, I would... I would go see my uh, my Gagas, my Kunikas, uh, Winigite, Gaga Helen, and Gaga Alvina. And um, I'd always see them once in a while down on the Dallas. You know, they'd be um, at a, a at a a meeting or or some uh, somewhere else. And you know, they'd always kind of ask. You know, um, they'd say, "Kunu, uh, how's uh, how's the president doing?" And, and I would just, I would pause and, you know, I didn't really answer right away, but I always remember they, they always kind of had the, both the same answer and they said, Oh, he's all talk, isn't he? And then I would just kind of, you know, I didn't know what to say, but I'd say, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. It comes down to it. They're all talk. And then they would, they kind of just stop talking and they talk about the kids or something else. But I guess my promise to, to the voters and, and to the tribal members was I wouldn't be all talk. You know, I'm a uh, goal-oriented individual, and I think I could bring some of those experiences to uh, the president's office or even the executive, you know, set uh, some procedures or policies for the executive, and hopefully with that in the 10-year strategic plan or five-year, you know, the general counsel and the people could hold individual reps of legislature and the president and the departments accountable and we could share those those goals that are being attained in those strategic plans and every year we could just review and change as we go a living breathing project for 10 years or five years see where we're at uh so that's just that's just my closing thoughts and i want to thank again shelby for giving me this opportunity to to speak and be on your show again and and even if uh, if I'm not elected, you know, I listen once in a while, and I'd be more than welcome to hop on here and give you my two cents. Thank you very much for uh, coming on, and uh, yeah, you kind of shook me up with some of your answers. I got to do some research now. So <laughs> that's uh, Robert Two Bears running for president. Uh, elections coming up in about a week, so everybody get over there and vote. You have a good night, and thank you very much, sir, for your time. All right, thank you too. Good night. Oh, shit.